Like riding a block, don't worry. You're gonna have to do the like hard intro. So, the thing is, this right when you're a seasoned veteran and you're one of the leading podcasters for senior citizens, Uh, senior citizens, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) yeah, that's what that's that was one of the compliments we got recently. People have been looking for a good podcast for seniors, yeah, for senior citizens, yeah, yeah, yeah. My mom and dad listen to this, my mom and dad love it. Oh, my dad doesn't actually know what I do, but my mom, she loves it. Um, so great, sweetie. <laughs> you're doing great, Frank. <laughs> Keep it up. So the thing is this, it's just like riding a bike. You're going to get back in the groove of it straight away because we've got so many good topics to talk about. You've released about 100 new packages since we last done a podcast. So much new open source software. Divided by 100, but yes. You're, what was that? Divided by 100, yeah. Uh, well, 100 <laughs> divided by 100 because I released one new package. One, that's right. Okay. Last. Well, that's a yeah. lot more than what I've done. You're even more jaded in the industry now, which is perfect. I'm angrier <laughs> and more depressed than I've ever been. No one thought it was possible, but he is. <laughs> here I am. I'm here to tell all of you. To go. <laughs> I won't say that. I won't say that. This is the first uh, episode back on, so I can't curse at people like, right out of the gate. No, we need to be welcoming. First, we bring them all in. Yeah, like my mother. That's Hi again, it. Mom. Uh, I know you've been missing this podcast. <laughs> Hi, James's mom. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, um, uh, one subscriber. Thanks. That's all right. That's all we need. We just need one. But so many things have been happening in the past. How long since we've done the last episode? We've got about eight that uh, never got released. I feel like, well, no, not really. We didn't do any while I was employed, uh. really. Um, you were a busy person. There's a couple that aren't released, but are a bit like boring. So I didn't release those. Uh, we've never had a Where boring we podcast. Just read some. You don't think any of them were boring? Never. Oh, okay. I love I listening to my own voice, but so maybe that's what it is. Oh, I thought you liked listening to my voice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, both. <laughs> I really love the, the way we just bounce off each other. It's great. That's why everyone tunes in. Yeah. Like like two children, <laughs> two idiots, so. <laughs> having some two children having methamphetamine. <laughs> <for the first> time. <laughs> well, you are slightly intoxicated today. I am. I uh, just had a birthday party, so so perfect. Sure everyone on the podcast wanted to know that. So thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> We're on topic as always. <laughs> yeah, but we haven't had time to do podcasting because you've been a busy person because you're actually employed yeah, i've uh i've hated my life i've uh i uh i don't know what happened to me i essentially just went six months with and doing only work mm. and uh, just not wanting to exist anymore mm. so yeah and now you've resurfaced i have i've quit that job i quit my uh toxic work environment uh-huh and uh, I'm sure some of them will listen to this podcast and hear me say that and they'll love that. Welcome, so, everybody. Yeah, yeah well, welcome to our <laughs> For those of you listeners. tuning in to hear James talk about things. Yeah, all of the HR people from my last job. <laughs> <Hi. laughs> <laughs> the fun thing about me is that I never say where I've worked mm. uh, ever. Yeah. Like I never bring up the name of the company. So yes. I can actually pretty much say anything. Mm. 
So like, I'm not bound by the, like, this is not the opinion of my company. That's right. right. To avoid a defamation suit. I can pretty much just say like, yeah, fuck you guys. <laughs> pretty nice. <laughs> I recommend everyone. To As a broad statement to everyone you've ever like interacted me. with. Yeah. Anyone I've ever worked with. Mm. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And that's fine. At least we know yeah. where we stand. I was very optimistic going into it. And, um, unfortunately, uh, I just kept, I kept saying to myself, like, certainly it can't be this bad. Like mm. there must be something wrong with me. Right. Like mm. I must be an idiot. Self or I must like, introspective be a bad person. Yeah. Well, that's you, you're yeah. doing the right thing. I think you're trying to look for a silver lining maybe. Yeah. Trying to improve things. Mm. But then at the end of the day, I think at some places you realize like, you, you know what, like no matter what I do mm. ever, like the stuff above me is all broken. Mm. Right. So if I improve the build speed and I reduce the number of bugs and I like improve this stuff, the product's still going to be horrible. Right. Uh, so what am I like? I can't do anything. That's true. Yeah. Yep. You need a good product. You do need a good product. I was thinking about yeah. this today. Cause you know how, remember we've got a company that we run. Remember that? Remember um, how we started a company? Yeah, well, you, you, no, I don't, I don't know that. Oh, okay. Well, well, we've got this company, right? <laughs> You and me. You have this company. (laughs) I just have shares. (laughs) But I was thinking, right, what makes up... I'll help you now a little bit. Oh, thank you. I was thinking what makes up the the company and then... um, Yeah. Because it's really, it's like a business and there's all different aspects. You've got sales. like a business. Well, it is a business. There's sales, there's marketing, there's product. business. there's, (laughs) there's, um, There's the humans in the middle of it. And then I was thinking... It all comes back to a good product because if you've got a good product, it's easy to sell. If you've got a good product, it's easy to market. And if you've got a good product, it's easy to attract people to work on it. Like you can I, have I all- agree with that. Mm, you can have all the However, other things as well. I also say, mm. yeah. Well, I was going to say- I will you, just say, yeah. you can have a bad product mm. and just really good salespeople. Exactly. Like you can. Yes. Drink, like go golfing with execs. That's right. right. Which you is can what too. I from the last product I worked Exactly. On. <laughs> yep. I think there's a lot of companies that have been built on just great sales and marketing. Yeah. And there's, there's nothing really wrong with that, but I really enjoy- I think morally, mm. morally wrong. Yes. But I have a different outlook. Yeah. That's right. But I enjoy- when the product is so good and people like it actually changes people's lives. I like getting feedback where they're like, this is just a great product. We really like it. That's what we do. That's what we do. Oh shit. Hmm. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the lookout for, uh, you know, anything uh, I can work on where I'm actually improving people's lives. Cause hmm. uh, yeah, I'm sick of just being, uh, you know, feeling like I'm just throwing mud into an enterprise. Yeah. Now build your own thing. That's what I say. Yeah. We're going to change the world. Is that, is that a startup thing to say? It sure is. You better believe it. All you investors out there who want to be part of it. It's so cringe. Get in touch. I hate when people say we're going to change the world. (laughs) What if we didn't change the whole world? Like what if we scoped it down and we were like, I'm going to improve the lives of everyone in my city slightly. I just want to change my suburb. Yeah. If If I can give a workflow to everyone in my suburb, my world will be better. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's better. I like that and I respect that. I think the whole change the world thing like is just so like stupid and I, I hate to hear it. Mm. It's like a Sam Bankman Freed level uh, statement, you know. I'm happy just, to, I'm just happy just doing a little bit. 
Yeah. And then if we fall into that, if we happen to be, if we happen to fall into the right path and that presents itself to us, then maybe we change the world. I mean, yeah, but for the better, maybe, and not like Facebook. Mm. I mean, Facebook's changed the world. I don't know if that's for the better. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Okay, so um, so now you're, you're not working anymore. No, I'm unemployed. I'm sitting here at home. Mm. Um, I'm watching a lot of anime. Ah. Uh, <laughs> I'm not actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. It's the alcohol again, so. Um, I, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm probably just going to work on open source and making more shitty TypeScript libraries that people don't use and don't ask for. Now we're talking. I want to make a, a command line a library one. one day. You want to make a CLI? I do. For what? Hey, you know what I was thinking? Oh, all right. Change topic. It, it would be cool to make a CLI as an actual uh-huh. app because you know how everything's like React. Uh-huh. Imagine if we just removed that constraint and said, okay, we're going to build all the, all the UIs in command line. I think we could make a it super TUI. efficient. Yeah, a TUI, yeah. Yeah, a TUI, what's yeah, that? Yeah. Terminal UI. Oh, yeah. Terminal user interface, yeah. Yeah. You've got GUIs and you've got TUIs. TUIs, okay, I've never heard that yeah. before. But some of my fondest softwares over the years were TUIs because they were so responsive and fast. And once you learn the keyboard strokes, you can just fly. Yeah. What's a good TUI? Name one. Uh, I can't. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe you're the one saying that. That's something I would say. You're you're ripping me off. So the old, the the one that comes to memory was, um, from an old fruit shop I used to work at and it was to change price, like price change fruit and vegetables, you know? So if you wanted to put bananas. Like a PowerShell kind of thing. Yeah. If you wanted to put bananas on one night, because what it was like, they were old fashioned cash registers and then this like. Ah, right. Tui would like just push price updates to multiple cash registers, but it was super fast. It was really got to know like the code for the item. Yeah, that's right. You have to add codes and stuff. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. It was fun. That was probably one of the first things that may actually got me interested in software. So I'm like, look how cool this is. Yeah, I can type, and everyone thinks I'm a hacker. Yeah, because no one else could operate it. Right, you have to get the twelve year old to do it. Like me now. <laughs> and That's here we are, got into 28 years later, and it's still, it's surely it's going to pay and off. Women soon. still don't like me. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> I've only convinced one. That, I've convinced uh, one. Dating. <laughs> and I. Honestly, I don't even know if it's related to the program. <laughs> no, it's probably, that's yeah, don't get into this. Yeah, this is not the field to get into if you uh, are trying to have kids, let me tell you. <laughs> anyway. Uh, all right. So, okay, <laughs> so you've been, but you did do one TypeScript library. You made one new one. But maybe we're, yeah. we won't get, there's too many. Um, we need to talk in depth on that. I want to learn more about the work stuff first. Oh right, yeah, my my job. What else oh, can yeah. you What else can you tell me? Yeah, it was very draining. Hmm. Um, I I think the thing that was the most interesting about it is um, it's the first time. So prior to that, normally when I would release code, um, it, even if it was like a long release cycle, I, I I would normally get like at most one bug every six months or every three months or something like one major bug, right? Uh, and then at this company. Uh, I noticed that every single bug was getting something like 20 to 30 
Uh, sorry, every I call it a bug. Every feature uh-huh. <laughs> that just speaks to the to my mental state. Yeah, every yeah. feature gets like thirty bugs. Uh-huh. Right? Um, they invested very heavily in like a manual QA process from the very beginning, mm-hmm. um, instead of doing any test automation, mm-hmm. and it meant that like uh, you would catch everything extremely late. Right, so they never built up an automated test suite. So you have to like push push code, get it approved by two people. Mm-hmm. Then after it's approved by two people, uh, merge it. And then it has to get cut. And then once it's cut, it gets reviewed by a QA person. And then that QA person like adds a whole bunch of tickets, right? Mm-hmm. For whatever has been missed because, you know, you can't keep this. The system's a- ancient, right? Mm-hmm. Essentially, like mm-hmm. relatively old. It's, to- software it's at least a year old. I mean, far out. No, it's actually like five years old. Oh, okay. I'm tongue in cheek. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> five years with no tests, right? So it's okay for one year. I can I can see that happening, right? Yeah. You can keep the whole thing in your head. Yes. But you go five years and then you don't like retain the people who built it in the first place. Mm. And that is a painful state to be in. Yeah. And so no matter what you did, like you'd, you'd add one additional endpoint and you'd break something else, mm. which normally the additive changes don't break anything. But yeah, uh, yeah surprise. <laughs> Who knows or so you would think. <laughs> yeah. I, I don't think there was a single person that knew how the product worked as well. Like that, that was a, that was a bit of a, an interesting red flag that I caught on early. Like even the most experienced like product people still, I don't think understood the intricacies of the system. Mm. So, mm. and this is, yeah, I don't know. It's very interesting. Uh, yeah. yeah. I suppose it's, that's one of the challenges of scaling the team up, right? But maybe the other thing too no, is... No, I think that's that's just having too many features. Too many features, You know how we had that yeah. podcast? I don't know if we released that, but we talked about like how we were deleting features from the product. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. I think everyone ever... Not everyone gets to that point. And in fact, I remember there was there was a more junior person who, who was talking to me, a more junior engineer, and was like, like uh, is there ever a point where you delete features like <laughs> in your career? <laughs> Has anyone ever told you? And that was like, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, as much as possible. Like yeah. that's what an experiment is, right? Yeah. You implement it. And then if it works, you can improve it or, de- and in both scenarios, you probably delete the old thing, right? Yeah. You don't just leave it sitting around. So, yeah. You should definitely delete things. Yeah. But I think you should, aim, you should definitely aim stuff, to stuff in, stuff in there. You should definitely aim to converge features and simplify and streamline things definitely yeah yeah but uh otherwise you end up like bloatware right yeah yeah it's a bit sad that that's exactly what happened it's a bit sad that there's so many features that maybe only one person even uses Mm. uh that are just in there because i don't know someone said at one point we should add this feature and it was there forever yeah and then also things that were meant to be experiments or like one-offs for people would become like the most used feature Mm interestingly mm. and then those would never get like uplifted right to be full fully fledged like tested features yeah so, very interesting so so what else happened tell me more what else do you um, feel about having a job uh it was it was not all it was cracked up to be mm. um yeah i worked in go for so this was a primarily go company yep. um Man, let me tell you. Uh, Do you still love Go? Jump! I absolutely despise Go now. <laughs> oh, what? 
Yeah. Actually, I do like Go. I like Go when I write it, though. That's the thing, right? Uh, I think Go can be great and yes. beautiful. Yep. However, if I don't write the Go, mm. uh, it, it devolves into chaos. Mm. I also think that Go can be very hard to refactor because of the lack of abstraction anywhere okay. in the language, right? Yep. Um, so if you don't, if you, if you are attempting to build a monolith, so we had a monolith, monolithic go application. I think that's honestly not the best thing to do with go build a gigantic monolith. Mm. If you could have like loosely coupled modules, theoretically you mm. could have one monolithic like application that is a whole bunch of separate app modules. That'd be fine. But, uh, if you have like one gigantic code base and everything is treated as the same code base and there's no like division between modules and no cleared responsibility like splits, you will devolve into unrefactorable absolute chaos. Mm. I think with Golang more so than other languages like JavaScript can be bad as well. Um, but I, I, I think it's actually similar. It's at a similar level, the difficulty, the only advantage you get if like you have people working in go versus javascript is that you do get a little bit of type information so yeah, yeah. that's funny because you were such a big proponent of go not even that long yeah, ago well, I, I like go i write go and i think um it can be very good and uh it does it like by performance and the amount of money you have to spend on servers it's great but uh you know if you uh if you compare it to well, the ability to hire as well, I've realized, like, there's no one working on Go in Sydney, really. Mm. So that, that's always been a struggle, was just finding people who actually knew how to write it. Um, yeah. I think if I was there at the beginning and I had, like, laid out, this is how we should write Go, I think it'd probably be fine. Mm. But if you have a bunch of people who have never touched Go and they just start throwing code into a code base, I think, I think you'll end up in a really, really bad place. Yeah. So, Yeah. When it comes to web apps, when it comes to web apps, but what's the what's the attraction for building it with Go? Why just, would you just well, do full stack TypeScript? Before that, I'll just say that uh, there are some problems that are clearly like should clearly be solved with object oriented um, like methodologies, mm. and there are some problems that should clearly be solved with imper- imperative methodologies, mm. right? Like what? So if you're converting uh, like a PDF, right? Mm. PDF to some other format, DocX, some other format. I'm fine if you have like one big code base and it's all imperative and it's big functions, right? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're trying to squeeze out performance and it's a downstream service and it's not an application and your business requirements aren't changing. Like you're converting from PDF to DocX or yep. something, right? Yep. It's very consistent what it mm-hmm. is that you're doing and the amount of like, there's not going to be a big shift in like requirements, right? So yep. it's, we have data, we're going to take it in, we're going to convert it to this format. And that's the code base, right? That makes perfect sense for me. But if you have something like uh, we have a gigantic task management application and all these tasks have dynamic state schemas and you're essentially like modeling an object uh, model, but in the application itself, mm. I think I think you might be treading into ground where you should have probably picked Java or Kotlin or anything else really. Even JavaScript is more object-oriented than Go. So, yeah. Um, because because if you just try and and also what happens is you you start to realize i think halfway through that oh this this is more of an object-oriented program a problem and then you try and implement it object-oriented principles inside of golang which is imperative like extremely imperative Mm. right so i just don't think it works i think i think uh yeah pick the right tool for the job is uh is the answer it depends Mm. but you need to have 
like you said, you need to have the team of people around you who can leverage the the right tools, right? If the people in your team oh, aren't necessarily yeah. like like you said, if it, if there was a approach taken from the beginning and everyone was kind of on board with that and there was regular, yeah, kind well, of that feedback. approach would have not looked like a monolith, right? It mm. probably would have looked like a bunch of like separate services if we had started with Go. Mm. not as like one gigantic application. I don't think that that um, that works very well. And if you look at the services, so if you look at like open source applications written in Go, they're not really like big, big chunky apps. They're like things that do one thing. It's like we're, we built an auth service or we built like this one little um, conversion app, right? Yep. right? That runs as a web server. There's not a lot of like gigantic uh like monolithic one big repo applications with a lot of different like domain uh like business logic in it so. Mm. yeah so would you ever use go again or are you are you too distraught i would use it at this company at uh, kenya so yeah oh shit cut that That's <laughs> yeah but i'm scared of go then i won't be able to write any code i'm still a junior goes very easy though I know. Go is very straightforward. And the thing with Go is that you, you write things that are like uh, worthy of a small module, not things that are worthy of a gigantic code base. Mm. So if I had written the, the current application, we have a lot of relatively complex business logic. We like do auth, billing, uh, integrations, workflows, all this stuff. Right? We do everything, Go. people. We built it all ourselves. Well, James built it all everything. and I copy James. Yeah. But if I had built that in Go, I, I absolutely would expect you to have no idea what the fuck was happening, ah, right? Would you expect me to have and no idea now? I would expect now. you not to be able to contribute <laughs> at all. <laughs> but, you know, it's built in TypeScript with, like, you know, with relatively defined, like, responsibilities. So, yeah. you know, anyone could really come along and contribute, I think, uh, with some familiarity. So, mm. yeah. Whereas if I did that in Go, it would be absolute chaos. Yeah. I know people would think that this code base is chaos because it's a monolith, but uh, yeah. Nah, people love the monolith. <laughs> yeah. Simple, uh, mono repo. That's right. Less everything. Mono repos, mono lambdas. Yeah. Mono front end. Yeah. Mono DB. I, is that a thing? Mono DB? I don't know. One big DB? Well, I if I were to introduce more services to this application, I would probably use the exact same like RDS instance and just use multiple schemas with different users. So I suppose that would be a mono, mono DB. What? I'm a big pro- proponent of mono everything. I want to be able That's to right. keep everything in my head. So. Just one. Yeah. So what, what was that you just said? You would split the services and keep the same database? Well, I would, if I wanted to use Postgres and two services, I would just create a, an additional Postgres schema. I wouldn't like probably create an, an, an. Well, the thing is, you don't want to have two services that rely on the same database. That's always a mistake, right? Is it in terms of? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that's sin. That's original sin. Yeah, don't ever build two services and have them share the same database, mm. right? You at most at a company, if you have multiple services, uh, you can have one application that can reach into the other um, services, and that would be like the reporting, like internal reporting oh, yeah. is normally dirty and it's a bit gross, and you're like reading data from a whole different bunch of different places. Mm. I can accept that that thing might read those other services, mm. and it's okay if it goes down, right? And that yep. developer can, the person who's building the internal reporting tools can like keep up to date with the other teams and mm. people will tell them when the scheme is changing, right? Mm. 
but if you do that with like to like if you have um it happens a lot with like entity-based services, I feel, which is a, another anti-pattern where you say like, okay, this is a transaction and this is an account and there's going to be a transaction service and an account service. But then you realize, oh, there's like a foreign key there essentially. So you put them both in the same database and you, sh- you, you read the same database, but you're doing joins. Both services now depend on the data from the other service. So you're uh, actually not decoupled at all. Yep. You've made something grossly more coupled in mm. a way. Mm with just like a network boundary for no reason. So, Oh, yeah. that's a really good point. I've never even thought about that before. How do yeah. you avoid that? How, how would well, you like avoid you, that kind of situation? Well, one thing is you don't have um, entity-based services. This is, have I not talked to you about this no. before? No. Oh, I've oh, always shit. been thinking wow. about all the microservices I've seen is exactly like you described, transaction Absolute service, sin. billing never service, the no. XYZ well, that's service. A, that's okay, sort of. Okay. Well, so what happens is you get like user service, group service, yeah. um, uh, account service, yep. um, task service, workflow service, mm. right? And so each of those typically they are responsible for what is what is underlying a database table. And I think that happens because people write ERDs, mm. right? And then they look at that and they're like, oh, clearly like this service is responsible for this table and this service is responsible for this table, mm. right? So like user service is the only one that can read the user's table. And essentially they're, they're modeling a relational database, it, like, but distributed, mm. right? which is sin. That's bad. Like, don't do that. I've done that several, like several times. It's, it's not great. <laughs> I know from experience. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. So you essentially just have dis- like distributed spaghetti. Mm. What you should actually do is like, look at what are like the high level um, capabilities of the thing that you do and then split them according to that without even like, don't even think about what the data structure is. Consider what, what like, overall responsibilities are so billing is reasonable to be its own thing right and it it would have its own notion of what a user is it would have its own notion of uh like what an account is or what how how to charge a credit card right Mm. and then that would be loosely coupled to all of the other services right so you might have another service that's called like the um so if we look at our service our application Mm. there's like workflows there's workflows in there right you might have a service that is like responsible for the design of the workflow, mm-hmm. right? And so that thing would manage the task designs, workflow designs. It might do the GUI for that, right? Like the actual experience of the user, like updating that and saving them and making drafts and then publishing. Yep. And then maybe there's another one that does runtime, right? Like there's a runtime task or workflow service, right? Mm-hmm. But we're not saying like there's a task service and a workflow service. We're saying there's like a runtime and a design service yep. or if we're talking about a blog maybe like a uh an editing service and a a, a, a reading service mm. i don't know something like that mm. but both of those you'll notice will have a concept of like a design of a workflow right mm-hmm. so your 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 workflow design service will need to communicate will need to be read by that runtime service yep. um and it, and that's okay. And in fact, in that runtime service, you could potentially cache data that comes from that workflow service, but you would like hold on to it very loosely, right? Mm. And you wouldn't have hard foreign keys if you actually had uh, like a network boundary essentially between those two services. Does that make sense? Am I rambling too much? So is it like the the domain driven design approach kind of thing? Yeah, it's more like use cases rather than the actual entities. 
Yeah, I mean, figuring out what like the 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 bounded context is the the term in like DDD talk. Yeah, that's right. right bounded so, context. So there's no reason for um, like uh, the account or tenant service. Like, let's say we have a multi-tenant. And there's a uh, like an identity or tenant. I think I think one of the good ones actually is like um, I've I've worked on apps that have like a user service and a tenant service and a group service, right? But what that should probably be because those are all highly coupled because like. Uh, the tenants have users which have groups, right? Yep. And that's clearly like just modeling the, the data. Yep. If you were to put all of those into what I would call like an identity service, like yep. this this is how we identify people and this is how we group them, then I think that ends up with a much better end result. Yeah. Right? And also it's much easier to develop that set of features that are extremely pulled mm. together. So, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So don't do so like James done. Don't like do identity. Don't do that. Keep them separate. Bounded context. Yeah, don't do what I do. Yeah, no, I never do what James does. Well, well, specifically, we'll keep a bounded context. But uh, again, like, don't model your database in your microservices or services. Mm -hmm. And then also, when you're modeling those services, it's okay for them to like share data in a way, Mm -hmm. not directly, but they. uh, It's okay for like the billing service to call the the identity service and store like the list of users it has in Redis or Postgres or whatever, mm. right? If they want to keep foreign keys. But um, they shouldn't directly read from the database of the other one. Gotcha. That's like if they read a private method on a class definition, essentially. So Very naughty. Look at it like that. Very naughty. Yeah. Sinful. Sinful. So looking back on your time, would uh, is there anything that came up where you think maybe I should have seen that earlier and maybe I would have changed made a different decision in terms of what I wanted to do. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah? There were so many red flags um, when I was interviewing um, that I probably should have, should have picked up on and uh, not moved ahead with it. Mm. Um, I was pitched Kafka in the initial, like, so so there was, I was, I was asked like a question about like, uh, Oh, here's a very simple problem. We have like a performance issue Mm. and I, you know, uh, how would you solve that performance issue? And I was like, oh, well, we could just store like a derivative table as like a cache layer Mm -hmm. in Redis or Postgres, right? Mm -hmm. And then the answer I got back from the interviewer was like, oh, well, I was actually looking to implement Kafka and use like uh, uh, KSQL, I think it's called, Mm -hmm. Kafka, like streaming SQL. We all know how you feel about Kafka. And when you have a small product... (laughs) <laughs> we have a small product and it's not at the level of LinkedIn and you pitch me Kafka. I'm imme- I ha- immediately have so many warning bells because you are, yeah, you either don't know what you're talking about to the level that you don't even know what Kafka is, or you do know what you're talking about and you are like solving the wrong problems clearly for that business. Maybe the so, person yeah. just wanted to have a crack at Kafka. Where else are they going to try it? If you can't try it on the job, you got to jam it in there somehow. You don't. How else are the engineers <laughs> supposed to taste these fancy new shiny well, things if you don't jam them in? Kafka is just my like the thing I always say because Kafka is one example of one where uh, like I've seen used and is absolutely like absolutely trash at small scales. Like it's only worth it if you're at a substantially larger scale than any of the companies that I would work for. Um, I'm going to put a and, I'm uh, going to put a message out to the wider community and say who's done Kafka well. Get on the podcast. We need to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had a Kafka debate. We had a Kafka debate. There's a whole there's two episodes about it. You can but, never have enough Kafka debates. 
Well, there's also stuff like, oh, anyway, we don't yeah, have to going. talk about Kafka too much. Okay. Yeah. Um, it's okay if you can use a managed service theoretically and everyone on your team already knew it. That might be okay. But if you have to self-manage, you're going to destroy yourself. Right? Yep. Like these companies have like three DevOps people, like three to 10 DevOps people. So no, mm. like if I hear Kafka, I'm probably not going to carry on. Yes. Uh, I think the other, the other red flag that, uh, like these are red flags that I had standing before. Like the, the things that I look for in interviews that I know, like mm-hmm. if I see this, I don't want to work there. Mm-hmm. And then the next one was, is, is like anyone in the technology team exhausted during the interview? Ah. Like, do they look extremely tired? That's and if they point. do, that means that there's probably like chaos, right? Mm-hmm. If they aren't excited and they aren't, if they don't have enough headspace to think about how to do a good interview, if they haven't read your resume, mm. it means that they probably can barely manage their own work, right? Oh, that's a really good, that's, that's actually a really insightful one. Because what happened, like at those chaotic companies, you'll interview and they'll be like, oh, I didn't have time to, oh, I was doing something. I didn't have time to read your resume. Can you give me like uh, the, 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 like summarize it or whatever? Mm. And uh, it's okay if I have to summarize, but like if you haven't even read the resume, yeah. you haven't thought of questions to ask or anything like that. You probably don't have time, and you maybe you sh- maybe you should be hiring, but <laughs> but I don't want to be there for that like extremely chaotic middle middle piece Until of the I action. The point Especially I, if I just yeah. want to be in yeah. If I want to be an individual contributor, that's not great. If I want to be a manager, it's probably like ideal for me. Like Actually, going in amidst point. the comment. Yeah, that's a good point. So if you're looking for a managerial role, that's perfect. That's a perfect place to to move in and and start helping, obviously improve things. Well, chaos breeds opportunity, mm. regardless of what you do, right? So if you go to a company that's in absolute chaos but has potential, then you could like make it out very well if they are like you know if they offer you uh, options or whatever, or uh, you know. You could like advance in in your your rank very quickly, yeah. right? You could go from junior to to lead in in a year instead of uh, ages. Yeah, if you go into a chaotic company. Mm. Um, but uh, that's not the point that I'm at. I've already <laughs> I've already gotten up the ladder, and I don't I don't have any <laughs> I don't I don't desire to go any higher. <laughs> <laughs> Anything above me just looks like misery. So. <laughs> Well, that's why if you work on your own product, you can just choose your own destiny. Yeah. Work on whatever you want to work on. Um, yeah. I think the other ones were like how they talk about the other people at the company. I think be hyper aware of how like people uh, talk about um, previous employees or the current employees. Like if they're talking about, oh, this previous person that we had that was doing some, something similar, like they just couldn't hack it or they weren't good enough. Mm. You like, it's probably not that they were shit. It's probably just that like that is a untenable solution. Mm. I feel like th- those are, those are good odds that it's probably just like bad management or something like that. Right. Yep. The, you, the, most of the people that I know could probably, you know, solve most of the, the hairy issues that I've had to work on mm. given enough time. Mm. So if someone's fired because they were horrible before you, you will probably also be horrible. Ah. <laughs> so, so, yeah. And that, that was a red flag that I picked up on in a couple of the interviews I was doing, this round of interviewing before I joined the last company. Yep. Um, and I wrote those off very quickly. Like someone actually shit-talked one of the people who interviewed me in a previous round. <laughs> was like, Yeah, and was saying like, oh, they're not very good and, and, and whatever. That's definitely... Uh, but that's an obvious one. I feel like anyone could pick up on that. Yeah. They said you weren't very good. The last one. 
no, no, not me, but like someone who was in a previous round. Like, oh. literally, that's a horrible red flag, right? Yeah. Like, you're shit talking the person who interviewed me in the last round. Gotcha. Like, <laughs> you must be evil. <laughs> I'm not sure that my last one is probably bad, but I feel like anything that's VC backed is bad. Oh. Like, I feel like that's a yellow flag. Like, consider more if they if all of their funding came from VCs. Mm, that's an interesting. Yeah. One. If they're not an actual business, like it's not sustainable, and like they have to like move quickly, like extremely quickly. Mm. And uh, especially if it's a if if you're not like one of the founding engineers, I think you get into chaos in that way. Yeah. There's there's definitely well the thing is when you accept VC money then then there's an expectation that you're going to 10x their money, right? Yeah. So, and it's also based on the amount of money. So if, if the company was funded for uh, 200K, then okay, that's probably reasonable. They have a low, lowish valuation for like, you know, an Australian startup. But then if that company got 10 million, you might look at it and say, uh, what are you doing that's worth $10 million in two years? Mm. Are we intending on building something worth $10 million in two years? Mm. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a yellow flag. I'm not certain on that because uh, I don't know. But uh, I do look back at the companies that have gotten a lot of like VC funding and uh, I think they were bad experiences versus companies that were either just businesses or uh, like had funding from other sources mm. like in the industry. Mm. So so that just, that just writes off every company that you can <laughs> <laughs> well we're trying to get funding yeah so, yeah from a vc right so we have to be careful as soon as that happens we'll be like maybe i love vcs change well it'll be different because i'm so anti um you know uh rushing to to nothing like i feel like what happens when you get that vc money is you just start running into running to nowhere just performative arts instead of like trying to actually solve a problem. Well, the thing is with us, I, I think our path doesn't, doesn't change whether we have funding or not. We're still on the same path. So yeah. Um, it's just, uh, it's quite you clearly like, uh, defined. two people. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one or two. How long will it take? Uh, exactly. We're just bringing forward the, the time frame. Yeah. 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 I agree. Cause our product is strong. We've got many happy so users. True. Just go Everyone, look at all our reviews. Yeah, 18 five-star reviews. That's, that's right. Good. All right, that's so least, that's, that's almost 20 people. That's almost 20. All right, so what else in hindsight now that we're doing the, the – is this a retro? The retrospective. This is the, this is this the is, job retro. This is employment retrospective. Are you still going to keep um, coding forever? Do you still love coding? Uh. I I was actually close to hating coding uh, halfway through. Oh, that's like sad. I actually could barely, yeah. Which is weird because if you talk to anyone who knows me, it's it's about ninety nine percent of my personality is uh, programming yes. or applications. That's right. Or like software development in some some aspect. Yes. And so for me to say like I actually I feel so drained. I can't even. This is normally what recharges me more is like building something. Mm. But uh, yeah, for me to get to the point where I actually really hate even looking at my keyboard mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah, 
clearly something was wrong there. And uh, I think I, I, the whole time I have a, I have a habit because I've, I have, uh, I've had historically low, low self-esteem. I don't know if people would say I have low self-esteem now, but I have a habit of thinking that the problems are my problems, which is good and bad, right? It's like the extreme responsibility thing where, um, I take ownership for this. I'm going to like, even if someone else did something, I'm going to take ownership for it. It's, it's my fault and I'm going to try and improve it. Right. But I do think that there are some scenarios where, uh, yeah, you're not really set up for success if you have that that viewpoint. It can be yeah. great, and a lot of uh, and a lot of times that's been great for me. But um, yeah, at, at this company, it was definitely not good to to have that sort of outlook. Yeah, so you do it work. Just makes you end up hating yourself. You do work extremely hard, and so then if yeah, you've got so, if you've got that if you've taken on that responsibility where you say, okay, I'm going to take ownership and and try my best to fix these things, if and things it, are still failing, right? Yeah, that and it's quite should a, be working. Yeah, yeah, it's quite a big challenge to overcome. And then you might and also like a lot of these these things might not even be in your control. Like, I think um, you know you expect oh if I fix all these technical issues I'll fix like everything will be better, right? But at the end of the day, there's probably like at, at a company that has let let their technology slip this much, there's probably also like you know the management is probably not doing their fair share of work as well. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a hard one. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough. So, well, yeah, so I almost quit. I, I was considering what um, job I would do. I was thinking maybe I would, um, I was thinking maybe to work at a butcher or something, maybe as a career shift. Go to MacPack again. Yeah, go to MacPack. Yeah, get might back be fun. In, get back in touch with your outdoors. Love for the outdoors. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Well, I actually had to get more involved in like climbing again because I think if I didn't do that, I would be <laughs> extremely depressed right now. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, there's definitely, there's through definitely COVID some good. And then there's some good. Yeah, so um, I made it through COVID. Oh, geez, the lag is oh really my fucking God. <laughs> now, there's some good, there's some good go. things. Um, there's definitely benefits to doing those kind of physical activities. Whatever you enjoy, any of them. Yeah, yeah. But we made it all the way through COVID, right? And I wasn't in like an, an immense depression. Ah, yeah. like I was maybe a little bit depressed, not yeah. climbing all the time. Yeah. But then, you know, this employment really just hammered it like, <laughs> so hard. Like you're not going outside and you're not exercising. So, yeah. And then it becomes like a, a compounding effect. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, you know, I mean... Learning experience, but look how much you've grown as a person and learned. The thing is, I've already done learning experiences. And uh, the first learning experience, at the, like in the middle of it, it was horrible. The first company that was like a learning experience was horrible. Yep. And then afterwards, I was like, fuck, I learned a lot. And I'm a much better person. Yep. But this one, I genuinely didn't learn anything. <laughs> because it was, it, was like going, it was like going back in time to a company that I used to work at. Yeah. And it was all the same problems. Like I've seen and no this one before, would, yeah. I've seen this before. I've yeah. done this before. I'm not learning anything. I'm not learning anything new technically, not learning anything new at like a management or delivery level. And uh, there's no one. And also I, I think the thing I hated the most, and I, that's another thing was in the interview, I said specifically, like I, I want to work with people that are much smarter than me. Like I don't want to be the like big fish in a very small pond. Right. Um, and, uh, 
there's definitely 90% of developers are better than me. So then there's got to be a company where I can feel that way. But this company, I got in and I was essentially like just by default, the most experienced engineer within two days. Yep. So that, that should have been a red flag. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be hard to level up. Hmm. So we've got to we've got to uh, sell this company for ten billion, and then I can level up. That's my next learning. Experience. Definitely, that's it. that's what we're going to do. <laughs> well, you will have you will have your own challenges to solve once we get to the scale where we need more team members, and the product gets bigger and more users. All those problems will come to you, and you will have to solve them. Well, there's you know what the uh, I've already learned something new in the last week. Uh, yep. we're just like uh, well, in the last like two three days, mm. on um, we're having to do this like security questionnaire for mm. one of our people that we have an integration with, mm. and I've been looking at it and like learning more about like what um, security people do. I would love to. And how to we do need to do an episode on that thing. whole thing because that whole questionnaire. Yeah, but, uh, yeah. Um, I I read through. I spoke it. to my yeah yeah. Oh, the lag is horrible, man. It's really hard to have a cohesive conversation. <laughs> when I talk, you talk like there's just enough gap. Anyway, yeah, I was just saying like, um, I, like there's so much that, um, like I know I, like I can say something is secure and this is how we're doing it, but actually like providing evidence to that fact is like a skill in and of itself. Right. So I think that's, that's interesting. Mm. And I've learned about that in the last week. Yes. I like, well, when it, when it was the form of a questionnaire, I really liked the fact that we have to write answers because it really makes you break down the problem. Like, what's the problem? And here's how we're solving it. And here's the steps we're doing to mitigate it. And I think it'll be interesting yeah. to see how they interpret our answers and then come back to us and say, it'll be interesting. It'll be good if they, um, well, it's a double-edged sword, I suppose. If, if they want us to go through the answers with them and they want to go into depth on what we're doing, I think it'll be interesting exercise to have someone who's at, the, at that type of scale reviewing our security to see where we can improve perhaps and where they would like to see us focus our time and efforts. It's, there's not really anything on there that actually would improve our security posture. Um, most of the stuff on those questionnaires are like, they make sense at a company with maybe 10 engineers, 20 engineers, yep. 50 engineers uh, plus. Uh, but uh, when you have me as the, <laughs> like I'm, I'm doing. Hey, like I write some CSS. Level. Huh? I write some CSS. You write C- <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So I don't really, you don't even have access to AWS. So I don't really have to. <laughs> if, if anything goes wrong like there's one guy who did it one guy. <laughs> it's, it's that guy there's no need to like have like a network intrusion dis- detection system because i am the one in the network <laughs> <laughs> and i'm the only one with access and i know for a fact i mean it's interesting because like yeah theoretically something could be compromised but in reality like most of this stuff is actually to defend from like internal people because that's your biggest vector of attack is is not like your API, but actually just like some guy in the company downloading all the user files onto a disk, right? But all this stuff that we're doing to prevent that, like, I it's suppose just that, me. That's covered, <laughs> like, you're talking about maliciously and unintentionally as well, I suppose. Either one, yeah, yeah. like accidentally exposing something. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. 
it's the same with like SOC 2. Like we could get SOC 2 or something and we were looking into that. But it's so like with with two employees or, or one of those ISO certifications with two employees, there's no, <laughs> there's no reason to ever do that, right? Yeah, that's right. Why do you need me to like uh, have a release process internally where I approve the release and I create the release? <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, more of a formality than anything. Yeah. But interesting nonetheless. Fascinating. Well, one thing I wasn't aware of was, was which you, I think, were working on it already, was the application layer kind of monitoring. Um, but we should, anyway, we should do a full episode on this. We won't go too yeah. deep into it, maybe. And security stuff, yeah. Because this is the job episode. This is the debrief of... Well, this is the my... This is why I wasn't here for six to eight months, Six to eight months, that's right. Yeah, yeah. This was my accident. It's probably longer than that, wasn't it? It was probably ten <laughs> months, was it? <laughs> I think it was nine. I think it was about nine months. Yeah. Well, it was only the start of the year, so it was. It was actually January. I was February. I think I started. Mm. Maybe was it? Yeah. I remember my last so. job lasted nine months, and I thought, at least if I last nine months, that's pretty much a year. Yeah. Well, you just. I don't on my resume. I don't write like you know March to you know. No, that's so right. Whenever, like, 2022. Yeah, I don't write the months. Yeah. I just write the years. <laughs> it makes it look much better. I was here. This is actually my my shortest employment ever in anywhere doing anything. Even the butcher ever. shop? Even from the butcher. The butcher, I still worked like two years there. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At, the, at my worst company ever, I still worked there for like a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, you can't beat me. My shortest was six weeks. I've I challenge you to beat that one. <laughs> yeah, but I like you are a bad person. <laughs> I have a reputation. <laughs> all right. Well, you're you're off to greener pastures anyway. I mean, we, we wish them all the best. Good luck with everything. So long, and thanks for all the thank, fish. Thank you for the fish. But we're you know on that one. We're you know on that to, reference. Yeah, we're on to greener pastures and. And more TypeScript libraries to build on and more products to to grow and more businesses to develop and yep. more VCs to ask for that big VC money. Yeah. More contracts to can't. More contracts to contract. Yeah. <laughs> have you contracted a contract? I have not. <laughs> okay. But I will one day, perhaps. Okay. No, I, I probably won't. This will be this company we're working on now will be my last job ever. What? Yes. After well, this, how? I go off grid. Are you eighty? <laughs> <What>? Oh, Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. That's fine. If you're just going to disappear into the mountains, it's okay. I have this. I have this like. Um. It's not an actual well thought out idea, but I, a few times across my mind where I'm like, we build this company. It becomes successful. We sell it, and then I just like go build a cabin in the mountains somewhere by hand. Like it takes me what two th- takes me two three years, but I just build it. Do you realize you've actually just ripped me off? Like that's- you've, maybe the, maybe you've said it. And so, actually, I remember now. You did say that. I've said that. I've just so many <laughs> and you're like I've just no, subconsciously that. taken that idea. I just don't you, mind the idea. You being of- alone for six months has <laughs> has given you that. Like has seeded that in your head. Yes. You watch the Unabomber documentary or you've been listening to Luke Smith. Yeah, too many conspiracy theories. 
if anyone wants some YouTube channels to watch, uh, Luke Smith and uh, Mental Outlaw, both very good, like Linuxy, um, uh, Cabin in the Woods, Unabomber esque people. Do I like Luke Smith? Luke Smith and Mental Outlaw. What's Mental Outlaw? Uh, he's another like uh, Linux uh, like enthusiast. Uh, he just talks about stuff that okay. he's interested in and RuneScape. Uh-huh, very nice. Yeah. Okay, now, before we go, what else have you got to say about the the job? Anything? I don't I don't think so. Have we covered everything it's off? So long. Do you know what So Long and Thanks for All the Fish is from? No. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Ah. You should it? watch that. That's a great movie. You have to watch that. I'll send you the, the YouTube clip. Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm pretty sure I've seen that one. Didn't, what, didn't they Maybe. do a remake of it in like the early 2000s? Yeah, then watch 2000s? the new one. Yeah, yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I, when I used to, uh, when I first started um, programming, I used to play that in the background on like my second second monitor. Mm-hmm. And uh I think I had it downloaded because I had the CD for it and I would, I've watched it maybe 800 times ah. <laughs> because I, I would turn it on on VLC and I would just turn on loop. <laughs> and so all day, every day, it'd just be so long and thanks for all the fish. <laughs> yeah. I'll have to watch it again. I anyway. think from memory, I didn't mind it. Yeah. All right. So upcoming episodes, we will be talking about your new TypeScript library called Lizzled. Lizzled, yeah. How do you pronounce it? L-Z-L-D. Yeah. I think Lizzled. Lazy Load. Is, lazy Load. Is, uh, That's right. Yeah. And we but also it's so did, lazy that I didn't even put in the uh, vowels. That's how lazy it is. That's how lazy it yeah. loads. Extremely lazy. And we've got to talk about pull request reviews. Yeah. And how to build a CLI app. And how we are making the best podcast for senior citizens. Uh, we've also got to just make a stream. We need to like get OBS working and because uh, we should do, um, I've got slides. I want to do a presentation. All right, let's do it. Let's, let's finish this podcast and then let's just do it now. Okay. All right. Play the music. Okay. The music's on. Okay. Keep talking. Aren't you amazed that we um, made another episode? I'm surprised we're still going be- to be honest. What? <laughs> what the fuck? No, I mean like, Why? I mean like it's, it's inspiring. I feel you know? like the un- unruly come, software brand. We've come a long way and we're still here. We're still going. Things are we're looking in, up. You, do you think we're ever going to stop doing this brand though? No, never. It only grows from here. We're going to go from... Yeah, it sounds like you don't think that though. Two subscribers to three. To four. To As who it, knows how many. two subscribers? We've got like thousands of <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Why are you laughing? What the fuck? Okay, so hop on the Discord and we're going to start doing the streaming stuff soon. We've got a lot of stuff happening. It's in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. Well, My I'm most famous quote. And I make no money. I've been telling you for years everything's in the pipeline. It's all coming. All right, the music's finished. Everyone, get in the pipeline. Get in the pipeline. Goodbye. Have a nice day.